Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. This week, we are doing a client success and transformation story. You will be hearing from Rachel. She is uh, one of my clients, and she went through my soul activation training and is using it to coach her own clients. Rachel is a coach. She specializes in helping women in their relationships, and you'll find information on how to connect with her in the show notes. Throughout this episode, you'll gain insights on ways to get out of feeling lonely. For some of us, we're in relationships and even with our partners, we can feel really lonely. And so in our conversation, you'll learn what the source of that can often be and how to help yourself through it to reconnect with you as well as your partner. We'll also dive into time management techniques. We'll talk about what to do to help yourself trust yourself more. We'll dive into indecision and intuition, and we'll talk about ways in which to Use your feelings to support you forward so you can show up in your relationships in your way and you can do your work from a place that is soul led. And for all of you listening, if you're hearing Rachel's story and you're thinking, yes, I want to learn how to do this. I want to be able to bring my intuition, bring my spirit, bring my soul into all aspects of my life including my career, including figuring out what I want to do next in that endeavor, or even maybe if you're a coach as well, wanting to learn how to coach from a soul-led place, then join me in one-on-one coaching. I have three-month packages available and you can learn more by clicking the link in the show notes. You also can sign up for a call with me by going to believeseed.com slash schedule, and we can talk through your specific goals and design a coaching program specific to you. So all of that is in the show notes. And also as a reminder, the podcast gift bundle is available All you need to do when you're listening on Apple or iTunes is leave a review, take a screenshot of that review and email me at lisa at beliefseed.com and to say thank you for your time and your review, I will send you the decision-making 101 course, the emotional release guided process and the take charge of your career workbook. All right. I'll go ahead and hand it over to Rachel to introduce yourself. Hey, thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited about this. So yeah, I am Rachel Cunningham. I'm a life and marriage coach for overwhelmed women. And for for it's specifically for women who are ready for massive change in their lives personally and in their relationship with their partner. And what led you to focusing on on that area? You know, I was focused on health first, but then when I started to dive in, I really started to realize so many people wanted to talk about their relationships. 
And so I just said, okay, let's do this. Let's coach on your relationship too. And I realized how much it all ties in. And so many of us, we're not taught how to how to be in a relationship long-term, right? We meet these people. We're like, oh my gosh, they're so amazing. And then we get married and then life happens and we forget the beauty that we saw in them. And so I teach them, I teach women how to see the beauty in themselves first and then also in their husband. And it's so much fun. I feel like it's so easy to be in a relationship and still feel alone, even when you're with the person too. Mm. So how do you help your clients who are dealing with this sense of loneliness within their relationships? You know, I mean, I think a lot of loneliness comes from we're seeking that validation from our partners. And a lot of my clients do have partners who are really, uh, I mean, for, for one reason or another, the life has caused them to go different directions, whether it's their partner is a workaholic or maybe they're a workaholic or um you know or maybe their partner is so overwhelmed with life that they just kind of withdraw at the end of the night and um and so they're they're kind of seeking that validation from their partner and when they're not getting it their 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 entire brain says i'm alone i'm completely alone even though i'm in this marriage and then they start to feel trapped right like i'm trapped in this marriage where i feel lonely it's like the worst of all <laughs> all the scenarios when when we start to coach together we first really help them to start validating themselves again and start tapping into where are these root the the root thoughts coming from of like what are they feeling why are they feeling lonely why are they feeling um like they need their partner's validation and I'll be the first to admit, I love validation. I love verbal validation from another person. But even when our partners are good at validation, if we don't believe it ourselves, like if we don't like genuinely feel like we can validate ourselves, then it doesn't matter what our partner says, right? We're still lonely, whether they're good validators or not. So, so first of all, like we have to teach ourselves to validate ourselves and to see our own worth. And then we can really start to communicate our needs and desires to our partner in a much healthier way. So for those listening to this episode, if they were going to do one thing to help see their own worth, validate themselves more, what would you recommend they start with? I would recommend starting with even just like finding some alone time to start writing out the things that are amazing about you. Like, right, like even think back on on your life and just kind of start making a list of what have I done that is amazing? What have I, you know, even just like, um, and, and that's like a start, right, of, of kind of listing out what you've done that's amazing. But then I would say, take it a step deeper and say, what if I didn't do all of those things? Am I still worthy of love? Am I still worthy of kindness? And compassion, 100% we are, right? No matter what we've done or haven't done in life, we are innately worthy of that, that genuine love and kindness. And then ask yourself, how can I give that to myself today? Just take it one day at a time. How can I give myself the love and kindness that I deserve today? This is making me think about the role of presence. And as a society, we often discount its value. We think, yeah, yeah, I'm here, but what am I doing? 
without realizing the being there is a doing in itself. We we don't give ourselves credit for the energy that we're bringing and just the space that we're holding for another. Yes, absolutely. I've I've really been practicing this on my own this year. Um, I started my own coaching business three years ago. And when you start your own business, when you have raised a family, when you're a driven person, it really is tempting to put all your worth in what you do. And so I've really been practicing just kind of noticing my own emotions. Like when I feel a little bit of stress, like asking myself, where is that coming from? And then, you know, remembering that like, oh yeah, I'm worthy if I do nothing. And then I'll just actually practice. Let me just sit here for 10 minutes with a cup of tea and do nothing and remind myself that this is good enough. It's good enough just to sit here with a cup of tea with myself. Okay. So if we're sitting there with ourselves, with our cup of tea, and we're realizing our worth and we're att- we're connecting to it, we're attached to it, then what's the point of life? If if we're already worthy, then what? What, what would you advise? Yeah. The first thought that comes to my mind and what I teach my clients is it's fun. Living life is fun. Tapping into those desires that are on your heart, like oh, I want to be a coach or, oh, I want to go hiking with my husband once a week, or I want to, I want to feel healthier in my body. All of those goals that, that we have, they're not just from nowhere, right? They're, they're on our hearts for a reason because it makes life fun. Right. And I I think also, like, I, I always tell my clients, there's, there's three reasons that we live. It's for love, for growth, and for fun. <laughs> and and I love just kind of looking at it that simply and we could make it all complex and complicated but but love, growth and fun. Right? If you incorporate those in your life, then you can really look at each situation that you're in, each goal that you want to pursue and say what is this for? Is it love? Is it because I want to grow and heal in life or is it for fun? Either one. Either one works. <laughs> Is it ever that there is there good fun and bad fun or is is fun just fun? Fun can be just fun. But I think, you know, bad fun. I mean, if you're not hurting anybody, is it really bad fun? If you're if you're harming somebody or harming yourself, then yeah, that could be bad fun. Okay. So I think I'm hearing then when the fun is supportive of you, of others, of love and growth, it works. Yeah. But if fun compromises your growth or your love, then maybe it's not something to pursue. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and that's a good question because our brains are constantly seeking pleasure, right? And so like food is not bad or good in and of itself, right? Like we're not, cupcakes are not bad. Nachos are not bad. Those are two of my favorite foods. <laughs> but but if I have this goal that I'm pursuing, that's, you know, a year down the road, I want to have the optimum amount of energy. Or if I want to be at a natural weight or whatever, whatever that health goal is for you. If nachos and cupcakes don't fit into your everyday plan to get to that goal, then we got to first of all look at okay this is fun but is it supporting my goal you know is it is it supporting that long term goal and then then we get to take a step back and go okay maybe one cup a w- cupcake a week could be really fun and still support my goal but maybe not every night right like that's where that balance comes in yeah so you often work with your clients from that relationship angle then thinking i need help with my relationship or my relationships and then it turns back around to be about them 
are there other common themes beyond the validation and self-worth that you tend to notice with people who want to work on those relationships? Yeah, I think they they do. You know, a lot of my clients come to me, they have young kids, um, they're working jobs, a lot of them are entrepreneurs, and they're really in the hustle of life. And they're just like, I don't have time for everything. They really are seeking that excitement in life. And they're, they're seeking some fun. And they're bored in their relationships, they're bored in their jobs, they're frustrated with everything. And a lot of times they come to me and say, there's just not time for it all. Because we are finite people and we do run out of time, (laughs) it's important to kind of look at your whole, uh, look at what you're doing and say, is there anything in here that I actually don't want to be doing that I'm actually, that I'm doing instead? And so like, instead of adding more things in, we first need to take away some things. And really that's, that's part of, you know, tapping into your own intuition of, of wait a second, is there something that I'm doing? Like if my highest, wisest self were to tell me, you know, how to manage my time better, what would I take away? And tapping into that, your intuition so that it can tell you, hey, this is something you're doing every day that could save you an hour. I like that you're going to the subtraction side because I feel like our tendency is what can I do different or what should I do more of? How can I make changes? And we don't often think about what to release. And so right. that question really helps to invite that. Yeah, because I mean, I am the first one to to love a good schedule. But, you know, I noticed I was just like putting in so much in my schedule that I didn't have time to just breathe. And like we talked about earlier, just be, <laughs> you know, and and so I really started to say, where can I decrease the things that I'm putting in my schedule so that I have time to breathe? So that I have time if my teenager says, hey, mom, you want to go out for coffee? I can look at my schedule and go, oh, yeah, I can easily move this because I left space in my day. Yeah, I find with my clients, they they tend to go on the extremes. They either overschedule everything to the point where everything's in its nice place, but they're not living. Or they don't want to schedule because they don't want to be held back. They don't want to be trapped. They want to flow with life. But then they're kind of just spinning because they haven't, they don't have any direction. So how do you help people find that middle ground? A lot of it is mindset of watching the way they're, they're thinking and watching those habitual thoughts that are keeping them stuck. Also really tapping into their emotions. Like what am I feeling and why? And then on the flip side, introducing some strategy. Is there a, an, a strategy that can actually help you to focus more, a strategy that can help you to really look at your life and go, oh, this makes sense, right? So I tie in the mindset and the strategy. Both are a practice. We implement these changes and then they come back the next week and we say, okay, what worked? And we celebrate everything that worked. And then we say, what didn't work? Okay, let's tweak it. Let's figure it out together. Like, let's watch your brain, see what's holding you back. And, and we, we tweak it together until they come to a place where they're like, this is working. When you think about the strategy side of scheduling. So if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I need more strategy, what, what would you advise they do to get their schedule on track? Yeah. First of all is list everything that you're doing in a week. Like even take the last three days, list everything that you've done, get really, really honest, and even pay attention, like, 
how much am I going on social media? And I think it's only two minutes, but it's 20 minutes here. It's 20 minutes there, right? Like really get honest and look at what you're doing and then be willing to take it out in a radical way. And if if your brain just keeps going back to it as a habit, if you're having a hard time uh, catching the habit before it's over, I would suggest you know getting getting an app that blocks it during certain parts of the day and just remind yourself, oh yeah, I don't have to have my phone with me all the time. I don't have to have a tab open on social media all the time. I can even leave my phone in the glove compartment when I go on a hike and I'm not going to die. I don't have to snap pictures every time I go to to feed my soul in some way. Yeah. When it comes to changing a habit, of course, we We'd love to just make a decision and then the habits changed and it works out, but we have all that past programming to have to work through. And so there's your stimulus, which is something in the environment or within you that leads to your response, what you, what you do, that habit you form. And so if, if it's going on social media, when you really are wanting to get work done, there's some type of stimulus happening and and so if we can create a bigger space between stimulus and response, it gives us more time to intentionally change. Yes, I love that. What led you to decide to go for the soul activation training? Oh, that's I'm so glad you asked that because I when I was coaching my clients on relationships, I started noticing that some of them were having a very hard time being stuck in indecision. Whether that was like making small decisions of, you know, where their child would go to school or large decisions of whether or not to stay in a relationship and keep working on it or to say this is, you know, this is a time to end the relationship. They were really stuck in that indecision. And so I started, you know, really thinking about how do I help my clients? They're they're feeling their feelings, they're they're watching their thoughts, but they're still stuck in indecision. They don't know how to listen to their intuition. They don't know how to trust themselves. And so that's when I started kind of seeking like where can I where can I get a little bit more training on this so that I can really show up powerfully as a coach and and help my clients through anything. And that's when I found you. And when you described the soul activation, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. And it ended up being exactly what I needed. What types of transformations did it help you with or your clients with? Even just helping them to understand the difference in in new language, the difference between when their ego is seeking something and their soul is seeking something. And how to, I love the way you word it in the soul activation course that like, you know, alignment in ha- in life happens when your ego knows how to support your soul. And, and so just understanding the language of that to explain to my clients and to really help them even understand the importance of listening to their soul and the importance of living into their fullest life creatively. Why they need to listen to themselves to go enjoy nature, um, how true connection happens, not just the graspy seeking validation, but how they can truly connect with their partner. Um, And then just, you know, all of that tying together 
really helps them to to go, oh, this is what my intuition is saying. Yeah. I just had a, a client um yesterday actually tell me, okay, I listened to you and I decided on she was struggling on where to send her child to preschool. And um she said, I just decided to trust that my intuition was right and that my brain could get on board. And so what we coached, what we ended up coaching on yesterday was she made the decision. Her kid went to the pre, the, the new preschool. She loved it. And then now we're coaching on how to make it work because sending her to the new preschool, of course, is a new time shift for her. So she's losing a few hours per week with that. So now we get to coach on helping her primitive brain say, okay, how do I make this work? Right. And so it it just changes the, the, the dynamic of when you listen to your highest self and make decisions based on what your soul wants, instead of the fear, it changes the whole conversation. It really does. And our ego, our minds, it's wrong about its role often. It thinks it's supposed to be the one to control everything, often because we haven't been listening to the soul. And so there's like a leadership void (laughs) within us. So when we can help it take a step back, not to thwart it, but to say, hey, you're supported here. Your soul's leading this. Let's use you to support it. It, There's so much freedom in it. And of course, there's still our mind drama. Yeah. But we can work with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes decision-making easier. And it helps you to trust yourself more. It helps you, you know, it really, you know, what you teach in that program, I would say above all, it's helped me to trust myself more and get on board with what my intuition wants. And it also helps me to help my clients trust themselves more and just Mm -hmm. get on board. It's like, okay, this is the decision I want. I've thought about it. I understand why I'm making it which is huge, right? Understanding why you're making a decision is huge. And then, okay, now we get to get on board with it. Self-trust is the precursor to trusting others, to trusting the universe, to this overarching trust. Because if you don't trust you in that connection, how are you going to know how another can support you? Or how are you going to know how to interact with them? And often we try to do it the other way. And it's not that you can't build both together and they can support one another. But if there is no foundation of self-trust, then you're constantly looking for something out there that's really within here, which moves back to what you started with around validation. Right, right. Totally. Yeah. So then with the role of intuition, for those listening, could you share a bit about how you connect to your intuition when you have a decision coming up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I am a big journaler, so I journal a lot. But I realized after after a little bit that I was using my journaling as a crutch to not actually sit and process my feelings. Um, which I thought, and I, I do think that like processing my journaling is part of me processing my feelings. I'm a writer. It's, it's part of what I do. It's part of what I love to do. So it's always going to be a piece of the puzzle (laughs) for helping me tap into my own intuition. But that piece of really processing and releasing my emotions 
is something that I've tapped into even more since learning from you. And so that is something that I that I really make the time to sit with. I just did it this morning. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm feeling this emotion. I'm just, I'm not gonna like worry about anything except just sitting here and feeling the emotion in my body. And um, at the end of that, <laughs> that emotional release processing, I I came up with so much wisdom. I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, even just 10 minutes of honoring yourself to not rush through your emotions, your inner wisdom speaks loud and clear. Yeah, it really does. And sometimes it sounds different for different people in the in the terms of how they connect to it. For you, writing's a great in. For others, it might be a walk. There's so mm-hmm. many ways. Singing for me... I'm not even really that great of a singer, but I love to just make like make noise or hum in the shower, whatever it might be. And it just, it lets things go and it helps me get back in touch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think I love that you brought that up. Like everyone, no one has to copy one person's way of processing their emotions. Yes, you can learn great guides, but but the way you do that is going to be through so many different things, you know? My kids, two of my kids do it through music. It's just like they, they, that is the way they, they feel and process so many emotions is by writing their own music, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, some people do it through dance. Some people, you know, there's so many ways to do it. And I do think sitting there just being is so important, but also you have to ask your soul, Hey, what do you also want to do just to kind of let it all out? So this is making me think, how do you know when you're just releasing the emotion versus when you're reacting and making it bigger? What's your, what's the cue for you? When I sit by myself and just in quiet with nothing distracting me, that is, that is a powerful release there. I think it also can be, um, if I'm reacting to an emotion, if I if I'm understanding your question correctly, you know, if I'm reacting to, let's just say, frustration or anger, I might yell at somebody. I might, you know, I might uh, try to get somebody else to change so that I can feel better, right? Um, but if I'm just sitting there and releasing it and processing it, then I'm learning from it. I'm figuring out, okay, how do I understand this myself? You know, and, and I, and I do think, you know, those, those different creative ways that we have are ways to process and release as well. Yeah. What's interesting about what you're sharing with with yelling, Mm -hmm. you could yell to yourself and it could be processing or it could be reacting but but you mentioned the the intention a little bit with it too Mm, and I think presence without attachment like when when I go to release for me it's never all right I gotta get this out come on it has to go it has to go because as soon as I think it has to go so strongly it's like I'm holding so tightly that I can't let it go. But if yeah. I I like to remind myself, I'm not making it go. I'm inviting mm-hmm. it to let go. I'm saying, yeah. hey, there's space. You can go. Yeah, definitely. And I, 
I think there, I like that you, you brought that up that because I mean, yelling and screaming can actually be part of release, right? I mean, there have been lots of times like riding in my car, I've just been, you know, I just need to scream right now, you know, and I'll be that person where people might look to the side and go, Oh, she's having a moment, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like, just like, just like really allowing yourself to get it out instead of just being stuck in your body. Sometimes yelling and processing in that way can be a way to get it moving and allow you to even get to a place where you can say, okay, it's okay to feel this. Yeah. So if we are more, more vocal or expressive in it to let it out, that can have an impact on somebody else in a room because they feel your they feel the energy coming out they can do what they want with it but so when it comes to a relationship yeah. when you're working with people in the relationship how do you advise or suggest they work through their emotions when it involves another person yeah i you know if at all possible i ask them to work through it on their own first but sometimes, and this just happened last week, a client came to me and said, I just let it all out. And I yelled and I yelled all these amazing things. <laughs> and and she said, and it actually was something that I feel good about. And I was like, let's talk about it. Let's process what happened. Let's process the good of it. Like, what did you say? How were you able to tap into that 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 truth that was in you and express it? And, you know... And I, I don't like to you know, to judge a certain action. I let my clients judge that, right? Like yeah. if they if they yelled and they feel like it was something they needed to do to express themselves, to finally get the ball rolling on, on something that they felt needed to come out, then if they feel good about it, then I'm like, awesome. But if they come to me and they're like, I yelled and it did not work. And it, and it, you know, it came from a place of fear and struggle. And, you know, and then we look at the reasons why and maybe how to change that and, and have the same result they want in a different way. So when you said that, it made me think about the source again. Like I could be yelling to my partner and wanting him to pick up the piece, or I could be yelling because I want to express and it's not because I'm expecting him to do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like that. And I know for, for my relationship with, with Jordan, when I first started getting more expressive, I would try to do it by myself. And I still try to do it by myself as much as possible. Cause it is a lot of energy to put out in a room, right. even though they can choose how they respond to it. Yeah. But what I do now is I'll often say, I've got a lot of angst in me or I have a lot of emotion. There's a lot of energy. So I'm just going to let it out as it comes so that I can communicate it, but know that it's not directed at you. Right. Totally. And then it, 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 lets, it lets him not feel like he has to hold something that I'm not trying to get him to hold. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Something similar just happened with me and Chris the other day. I, um, he was talking to me about something and he was just expressing his thoughts, his opinions, and something in me was triggered. And I felt uh, very self-conscious about a decision that I had made that I was very solid on before. And so I, I was just able to kind of sit with that for a second. And then I just burst into tears and he was like, wait, what did I say? And I was like, I don't think you did anything 
wrong, right? In the past, I would have totally said, why would you say that? Blah, 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 you know, but I was able to kind of see his heart and also see something that was triggered within me and kind of have hold space for it and to say, there's something going on in me where I'm still really self-conscious in this area. We actually had a great conversation about it because I was able to really look within and say, here, here are these things. And also here's where you can be sensitive to that in the future. You know, it's so much more power to have a powerful to have a conversation like that than you did everything wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. And what self-responsibility there is in that, both on yes. your part and his part. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When you, when you really, uh, uh, back to like just the three areas that I love to look at, like why we would even be married, right? For fun, for growth and for love. And like when you can really approach every situation and go, oh, what am I doing? What do I want from this? And see like that, see yourself when you're triggered for something and say, okay, how do I grow? How do I love myself? How do I grow right now? It might not feel fun. Not everything in life is fun, but how do I grow? How do I love? Right? That's enough. Yeah. And it helps you really focus on, you know, how to even communicate better with your partner. Are there any communication no's? that would be important for people to know about? Yeah, great question. I usually focus on the communication yeses, but I would say the absolute no that I teach all my clients is just drop criticism. Like, what if you could communicate in every situation without criticism? And I really tie in the piece of remember that you're included in that cell, in that too. You don't have to criticize yourself to learn in life. You don't have to criticize your partner to begin to understand each other and to work together in a better way in life. What do you think the role of criticism is? Like, why do people do it? Yeah, I think because I think sheer exhaustion, I think, brings criticism. They don't know a better way. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to to really take responsibility for their own emotions and their own, you know, results in life. So they gravitate to criticism because it's so much easier to blame somebody else for our life than it is to take responsibility and say, oh, wait, there's something that I can learn from this and grow from this. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's how our brains work. Our brains are looking for what's wrong. So that turns to criticism really easily and, you know, and I'm a big believer that we can look at our relationships and say, oh, there are some things that I want changed, right? I'm a, I'm a fan of change in a relationship where it needs to be. But we can approach that change with uh, compassion and love instead of criticism. And when we do, we make so much more headway. I was just coaching someone earlier today about they're, they're making an ebook product and she kept getting down on herself because she was saying that she can't write. She doesn't know how to write. She's not a good writer. And so she, we were coaching together and she ended up pulling up the ebook to show me how, how she wasn't a good writer. But as we were talking, I was asking her questions like, well, what, what do you think isn't right? And she would point out, well, I don't like the color. I don't like the format. I think this should be different. So I said, okay, great. 
it sounds like you have a great instinct here in terms of how to make it better, how to get this writing yeah. good. So is this actually a sign that you're a great writer? <laughs> look at how yeah. look at how directed you are. But right. she hadn't been using her criticism to show her the way. She used it to stop her from keeping her momentum. Right. Right. Yeah. So true. Yeah, you can look at criticism as as helpful sometimes if you direct it, if you really say, okay, I, I maybe I do want to criticize this in my life, but how can I do so in a way that is that works for me instead of against me? How can I take responsibility for my part? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. So I think I think what we've uncovered is is the role of criticism, but also there are times when we can just hit pause or stop. We don't have to put that record back back on too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So then as a coach, you've worked with a lot of people in terms of relationships. Also, it sounds like health, time management, a lot of different areas. For those on the fence about whether or not they should get a coach, what do you recommend they consider? How do you recommend they help themselves make the decision on whether to move forward? And if so, how to find a coach that's good for them? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this and we live in an information age where we can literally go online at any point of the day, type in the subject we're struggling with and find an expert on the on the topic that is going to inspire us, that is going to say, um, oh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I need to implement in my life. And then the next day we forget all about it. <laughs> and because we are so used to good information coming in and you know it can it can help us a little bit but but then we find ourselves over and over stuck in these repeated patterns and so a life coach can really help you to uncover why you're stuck in those patterns and to you know from whether it's you know messages you've been taught all your life or you know or just some thought errors that you need cleaned up it's hard to look at yourself um in a way that a coach will help you look at and actually implement that change. So if you are stuck in those repeating patterns and you've got a lot of information, I would say it's time to hire a life coach. Yeah. And how do how do you choose which coaches you want to work with? I is it okay if I say purely on intuition? Oh heck yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I really, I mean, I do like I I feel pulled towards certain coaches. And, you know, if they, you know, the way they talk to me and, and resonate with me, um, I, 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 I choose based on intuition, I ba- based on what my heart tells me to, it, it can be scary. Okay. It can be scary. So, yeah, I mean, even when I, when I, you know, found you, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want. And I think I signed up the same day that I saw you. And, and then I got a little bit scared. Like as we do, we get a little bit scared. I was like, oh gosh, what did I sign up for? And then, and then I had to pull myself back and go, wait a second, what was that feeling? And why was it? And why did I want to go through Lisa's program? And, you know, and I ended up making the right decision. I knew I made the right decision. As soon as we had our first class, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want. Um, but sometimes we do like our, our, our brains aren't used to change. 
They don't like learning new things. They don't like, so it's, it's a very common thing to be scared of hiring a coach, especially if it's something you've never done. Um, so I would say, you know, back up, listen to your intuition, ask yourself, do I want this? What if that's an, enough of a reason? Mm. What would you tell somebody on the fence about the selectivation training? I would say if you are if you are wanting to understand how to tap into your intuition and apply it to your own skills and tools that you already have, absolutely do it. Um, you're going to learn so much of of how to coach, how to ask the right questions, how to um, how to trust yourself. It's going to change everything. Since then and before then too, you've been building this incredible brand for yourself. We've had a chance to learn a bit about it, but could you share more about who you work with, how people can find you, any offers you have coming up? Uh, again, I just I work with women on how to change their lives and their marriages, and um, and we we work on time management. We work on embracing intimacy again. So many of my clients have a hard time. Um, enjoying their sex lives. And so we really pull in like how to build that pleasure again for themselves in a way that feels good to their soul, not just like, oh, I have to do this for my partner. Um, and then we we work on parenting, we work on time management, we, we pull in every aspect of their lives so that they can really feel aligned and, and peaceful and, and have more joy in the life that they've chosen. And, um, and then I work one-on-one -on -one with clients right now in a six-month program. And they can find me at rachelcunningham.com. Perfect. And that will be linked in the show notes as well. So people can, can access it easy. Yeah. And it's Rachel spelled with an A-E-L. And there's, you know, if you go there, it will have links to free classes, my podcast, um, how to work with me. It has everything right there. And can you share the name of your podcast here so folks can find yeah, it? It's called Joyful Love. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You're so welcome. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you loved what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I help my clients to show up and do their work their way with soul. Whether it's so you can excel in your current role, or so you can figure out what you want for your next role and get that role, coaching can help you get there. It begins with a consult. Sign up for yours by going to believeseed.com slash schedule. This is your free call and it is that first step towards that new life, that transformation into you doing your work in your way with soul.